welcome to London Stock Exchange's Be Inspired series. In this series, we meet with founders, CEOs, and business leaders to talk about their journey to IPO. We talk about how their IPO has helped them get to where they are, and we talk about how they expect it to support them moving forward. Today, we are in London, and we're with Tim Barker, CEO of Couth PLC. Couth PLC was the first digital mental health platform to list in London. Tim. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. Thanks for coming to visit our offices. Oh, it's lovely. So firstly, can you tell us a little bit about Keith? So poor mental health is one of the main challenges of our times. In the UK, it's a £150 billion a year problem. And by 2030, a $6 trillion problem. Um, and there's not enough therapists in the world to tackle a treatment-focused approach to support everyone that has a need. So in order to tackle this, you need to move from treatment to prevention. That's what Couth does. We provide a welcoming, safe, effective space to provide early help and intervention for people that are feeling those first signs of anxiety, depression, whatever it may be. And we do this um, in a way where we offer people an um, open space where they can simply go to Couth and sign up. There's no referrals, there's no barriers for access. Then we give you choice. Um, Couth got started supporting young people and young people are often prescribed to by us adults of what's good for them. So empower them, let them choose what kind of support they want. And so we can provide people with self-therapy support. They can read articles from people that have been where they are. They can engage in a peer support community and get support from others, people like them, same age, for example. And they can also, with one click of the button, enter a live chat session with one of our 225 practitioners and so we can provide people with a safe, supportive space to help them work through whatever challenges and issues they're going through. And in doing so, reduce the demand for more acute care in the NHS and improve people's lives. And through technology. Isn't that amazing? Technology and humans combined. Yeah. And I think that is a really powerful, potent combination. And what a time to come to market. COVID, it was the midst of the COVID pandemic. Mental health was obviously at the forefront of everyone's mind. So in a way, good timing. Um, what about the process of going through the IPO? How did that compare to previous fundraisers that you'd done? And, and how on earth did you manage that workload? Mm. I mean, it was different in two ways. Firstly, our whole roadshow was done over Zoom. We were one of the first IPOs in 2020. Um, but secondly, when I compare it to other investment rounds I've done in the past with venture capital and private equity firms, it's a very different process. In the PE and VC world, you are there to sell the vision, sell the dream, sell the hockey stick growth charts that you hope one day to be able to deliver on. Um, and it's to some degree growth at all costs when you're in those markets. In the public market, coming to AIM, it's about sustainable growth. It's about being true to what you will deliver on, holding yourself accountable for that. Of course, we're optimistic about where we're going to go, but we're not just peddling a dream. We're showing really where the growth opportunities are. Uh, and so I think what you end up there was a, a very reflective view of the organization, the opportunities, the challenges that it has. One small big thing in my learning, you know, of going through the IPO, IPO process is the fact that all of your investor presentations and materials are verified yeah. by a lawyer. Never happens when you're in the PE or VC world. Yeah. So I think it brings a level of transparency and truth yeah. 
uh, to this, which is very different to my previous experiences raising capital. That's really interesting. And what would be your sort of takeaway, your piece of advice for, for a CEO about to go through and embark on that journey in that way? Yeah, I've probably got the biggest lesson really I learned from this is there's maybe two. There's one which is because you are entering an environment of high governance and reporting and transparency to get your systems and processes in place, to mature your business ready to meet the requirements of being a London Stock Exchange organization. But the other one is also to make sure that you don't leave your employees behind. And I mean that in a way of, look, we're, we're, we're ultimately a health company. So many of our employees wake up every day thinking about they can help people. They're not thinking about being on the public markets or what interim results are, or even what ARR means, or net revenue retention. And so a lot of it is also, I think, an obligation um, and a benefit for CEOs and leaders to help bring your employees on that journey as well, to bring up their level of understanding of why you've floated and what that means, and to help raise their awareness and understanding of the lingo that we all use in this market to help them connect to the organization. And of course, beyond that, our existing employees are all shareholders in the business. So they all benefit from the growth of the organization. So they should have a vested interest to know where we're going, how we're doing, um, and how we're growing. So yeah, I think those are some of the key things I've learned along the journey, but we're relatively still early in the journey as well. So more learnings ahead, probably. It's brilliant. And it's so nice to hear you talk about the importance of people and the benefit that you've seen. It's clear that it's helped you to retain talent. What about to, to find new talent? Recruitment is so difficult, particularly mm. for a growing business to keep up with that yeah. pace. Do you yeah. think an AIM listing has supported that process? Yeah, I'd probably say for Couth, people will join us because of the purpose of what we're doing. So we are a social impact organisation, but a commercial one, which is quite a rare breed in the broader industry. Um, so ultimately, people will join us because they want to work on tackling the problems that we're focused on. However, a couple of great benefits of being in the public domain. One is that for an employee that's looking at joining a hot potential startup versus Cuth, you can learn that you can do your due diligence on us. It's in the public domain. You can see the health of our balance sheet, market feedback, the reaction to what we're doing. We're open book. Yeah. Whereas if you're going into the exciting, fast-moving world of a VC-funded startup, all of that is closed to you. So I think it helps people in their due diligence on us to see that we are here for the long haul. And of course, by giving people a little share of Couth, which is also in the public domain, so they can see not the paper value of it that might be worth something in 2025, as a VC would give you, but the actual tangible value of the asset that you've got, again, just helps people recognize the value of uh, their contributions. They can see the impact that they're having and they can share in the growth of the company. Stepping back slightly to investors, ESG is obviously of the utmost importance to investors at the moment. Did you see a, see a particular interest because of the nature of your business? And how was, how was the sort of interaction with investors for you? Look, I would love to say we were inundated with ESG funds, but in the AIM market, there's not that many. It's still a, a growing, nascent category. And in ESG, there's probably a focus on the E more than the S and the G. However, we did have a couple of funds that are investors because of the ESG credentials that we've got. And look, I think everyone that's invested in Cuth recognises that we are solving a world 
world-class, world-scale problem. And they wouldn't invest unless they really felt that we were tackling and able to tackle, tackle the scale of the challenge that we're focused on. So, but I do think you know, we can hopefully be one of a future breed of organizations that can have a social impact, yeah. but also be for a commercial business. Now, thinking about growth, I've seen that you're now in the US. Tell me a little bit about your, your growth outside of the UK and, and perhaps how that, that's linked to your, your listing. Yeah, that's right. We recently announced that we've signed our first large contract in the US with the state of Pennsylvania um, to roll out Cooth to support the school student population. So for us, and at time of IPO, there really are four areas of growth for Cooth. In the UK, supporting children and young people, which is where we got started, and then supporting adults. And so we primarily sell through the NHS and partner with them. We, we sell to workplaces as well to support employee well-being. But internationally, our focus is on tackling the youth mental health crisis. And so uh, we have a two-part game plan there. In the US, we have now, a year ago in uh, October 2021, we hired our first employee. A year later, we've got a team there, we've got our first customers, and we're starting to scale there. And I think what people like is both the, the values that we have and the experience we have as a company. But again, being a public company, it gives you a a uh, much easier way for people to do their due diligence on you and yeah. really uh, assess you as a partner of theirs. Um, outside of the US, uh, the game plan is to license our technology to other healthcare systems. And so that's in its early stages, but this is all part of how we can scale up economically to tackle the $6 trillion problem, which is a global problem by 2030. Um, and so we've got to be pragmatic about how we can tackle that. So picking, moving into the US is one key area, and then licensing technology is the other. And now being a public company, what's the difference being a CEO in, in that position in comparison to before? Well, twice a year, I spend three weeks out on the road. Yeah. So um, uh, 10 times a year, I'm spending time with our board. So I think there is a governance and reporting aspect to that, which sharpens you up as a business as well. I think going to the board with progress every four to six weeks um, as part of being a public company sharpens your business uh, um, and the velocity that you can operate at. I think for the day-to-day, -day, the majority of the team will see no difference other than we can now fund growth initiatives, whereas before it was bootstrapped or bare bones as part of that. So the main thing being is that we can actually look to the medium term, and we can invest for the three to five year horizon. Hence why with IPO funding, we could set up speculatively in the US. And we're also, we obviously are starting to see that bear some dividends. Focusing on the topic of what Cooth's all about, what are the, the main trends of digital mental health that you think are important? We mentioned earlier that COVID, um, when we IPO'd, was a time of COVID. Mm. And as you might expect, mental health got a huge amount of mainstream attention, not just from the media, but from other investors, venture capital investors especially. And so over that time period, we saw probably $4 billion worth of funding go into mental health tech. What we're seeing now is a shakeout of that because um, this is hard technology to do. And it's in fact, not just about technology, it's about people as well. So our service, we have 400 employees. We have 225 clinicians and practitioners working alongside technology to reach people in need and provide them with support. Um, and so 
in order to deliver on that, what we're seeing now in the market is the winners will do three things phenomenally well. One, they'll prove what they do uh, has a beneficial impact to individuals. So we have done a decade's worth of research and academic partnerships that underpin the efficacy of what we do. Secondly, you need to be able to do that in a um, margin improving way. You need to run a profitable business over the long haul. And so you need to do that in an economic way, both economically viable for, the, for us as an organization, but also for our customers. So measuring the health economic impact, for example, of what we do. You spend a pound on Qth, you save three pound uh, almost immediately elsewhere. Um, and the third thing is how can you scale when there is a global shortage of counselors and therapists? So this isn't simply about just connecting people together. This is about creating entirely new dig digital therapies. The idea of what we call peer support, community support, getting support from people that have been where you are um, in a safe way online. And so by harnessing a community within Cuth for people to help each other, we can augment the work that we do as professionals to help scale up our service to really reach the whole population in need. And so those three key things around efficacy, around economics, and around scalability are the key challenges of our time now. Now let's think ahead. Five years from now, where, where would you like to see Seacooth have got to? What's the vision? I'll keep it very simple. So in the UK, our ambition would be to become a nationwide service. That means that we are contracted by regional NHS authorities. Um, right now, 62% of the UK's population of 10 to 25 year olds have free access to Cuth um, through our partnerships. We want to get that to 100%. Um, so we can provide a nationwide service. And in doing so, we can provide back to the NHS the canary in the coal mine of what issues are starting to emerge in the, in the society, in the community, so that they can be better prepared for whatever challenges come next. Um, we also want to then really grow our service to support adults. So earlier this year, we rolled out our service for adults across all of Greater Manchester, supporting 2 million people aged 10 and above. Um, and so our ambition would be to become a nationwide service in both of those areas and then to export our great innovations internationally. So there is a huge need and urgency in the US right now. Biden's first State of the Union called out the mental health crisis as a national crisis that required urgency. So we feel that we can scale up our service to really help tackle the challenge there and then export internationally um, so that we can have other healthcare organizations supporting their population, running on our technology. So I know that the word unicorn is not in favor these days, but I feel that we have a unicorn-sized problem to tackle, and it's our obligation to scale as fast as we can to support everyone in need. Thank you, Tim. I mean, it's amazing to hear your passion, and thank you so much for giving us your time today. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. If you'd like to hear more of our Be Inspired series, please visit lseg.com issuerservices.com forward slash spark. Thank you.